Hello, and welcome to Say That, the podcast your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Feels like we've done this before. Yeah, about 160 times at this point. Also joining <laughs> us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. But to me, every time feels special. Every wow. single time just feels unique, and it's like it's like the dew of a fresh morn. It wow. really doesn't sound sincere. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Joining us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, the Younger. I'm just happy to be here, just happy to be hanging out with my guys. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've already started out with a sincere off, <laughs> so that's pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know... Um, what well, is a sincere time of year? We've got Easter coming up. Everybody so. shut up. I declare an emergency. He is risen. <laughs> okay, good. Well, that saves Jed and I from having to do more stalling while you're drinking before you can yell that line out. So that's good. I win Easter. I said he is risen first. <laughs> Well, Suck now, it. Free sunrise service. Is the right. is the emergency that he's risen or the emergency that you said it before anybody else said that it? I said it before anybody else said it. Yeah, I don't think he has risen is exactly news at this point. I'm not sure we can qualify yeah, as an emergency. Exactly. Here's the thing uh, uh, we have noted, and I really will credit Jed for pointing this out, the, the extent to which Christians can't help themselves but to go on to the Facebooks on Easter and and type out he is risen yeah and when There's you read when you read it for some reason the font is such that that's how it comes across yeah he yeah. is it's, risen indeed it's and, a nasal font yeah it's, I don't know what what it is about the font but that's how it comes out absolutely well, well Glenn know. and Jeff have noticed this phenomenon to the point of what was your Christmas status last year on Facebook? My Christmas Land? Eve status on Facebook was, he is risen. <laughs> <laughs> A joke for no one but the three of us. That's right. I enjoyed it thoroughly. There's uh, somebody that just is, just they're new to the faith, and they're, they don't have like liturgical bearings, and they're just so confused yeah. by that. And that would be part of the joy for you, right? He has risen, Indeed. No, that's the thing that's a, is that's getting a little like nineteen fifties sci-fi Martian. A <laughs> little, little bit, a little bit. That's a that's the thing is, uh, you know, the the Martians versus Jesus was one of my favorite uh, <laughs> exploitation films of the late fifties. But that is a a weird joke, awful weird joke, awful it, weird joke. It uh, you know in three D, you know, sure. which is pretty exciting. But here's the thing is. Uh, you know, Christians have a way of doing their little, you know, things without realizing it. And it's, right. sometimes we like to point it out and say, uh, hey, guys, let's just not. Sure. It's become a thing and you're driving us all a little nuts. Why don't you take a poke at the little foibles? Yeah, because yeah, I, I think uh, here's some the original. Sure. That's my thought. Sure. Ab- absolutely. I think that's a rather dangerous mandate to give some church people. Well, yeah. But That's how you end up with interpretive dance during the worship <laughs> service? Let me tell you what. If you got to dance, <laughs> you do that. Okay? But what we don't want to see is your interpretation of an interpretive dance that you saw someone else interpret. Yeah. That's going to be awful. Yeah, it's probably And not somebody the best. wants to do that right now. It's true. It's and, true. And we're here to say, don't do that. Now, what if you had the choir sing the early 90s dance anthem, Everybody Dance Now? As the musical backing to the interpretive dance. Uh, you know, that takes it up several notches. I think so. You know, I think... Um... Wait, can they sing it like super choir 
Everybody dance now. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be CNC the... Gregorian chant factory. <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be Matt, the way that to... was so good. Uh, I think if you maybe would have a, a melody of those kinds of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, pop hits sure, sung to sure, that, absolutely. into a really hot mic. It's, it's basically jock jams, yeah. but sung by the choir. Well, That's right. Like some Gloria Estefan or something like that. Right, yeah. The rhythm is going to get you! <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to church it up, though. The depravity is going to get you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So uh, yeah, I think uh, he, he enough already with he is risen. So you're against the resurrection? That's what I'm. I, hearing. The resurrection, wow. I'm okay with. It's it's not. It, it, wow, it, don't oversell it there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with. I'm, 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 I mean, yeah, it's uh, the most important thing that's ever happened in human history. I'm in favor, <laughs> generally. Uh, let's stick a pin in that for later. Uh, but uh, I I think uh, we want some originality. I want I want to see Christians uh, break new ground. You know, absolutely. What I mean? you well, know, do you have some examples in mind of how that could play out? Well, I think if it's Easter morning, sure. You know, uh, you know, and and you you want to celebrate the resurrection. You yeah. you know, I I don't I don't think he is risen is the perfect way to do that. Okay, you know, I mean, what would you suggest? Well, I think the way to be kind of culturally relevant, help the children, whatnot, the whole thing, you know, because, for example, you know, in the United States, they say that obesity is an epidemic. Right. Right. And, you know, churches. I know it is in the studio. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, churches, you know, just, you know, know, handing out, you know, candy to all the children. That's just making things worse. Right. 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 Here's what I'm saying. Easter basket full of kale. Okay. Let Let me just take that. And I'm I, you. You are history's you, greatest monster. You're, you're giving that to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to send it back to you. Yeah. Super size. Hit me. Jesus is my candy. Oh yeah. My Easter candy. Yeah, I like that. I like so that. That's that's the same in the same vein. Right. Right. Know? Like maybe that's the thing that's on the church sign. Right. Because what you want is something that slightly condescends everybody else. Right. Because right. I said he is risen first. Right. You can't. You can't type that out now. Enjoy, enjoy a Cadbury egg of faith. Exactly. <laughs> See, that's uh, you know the, you, the creamy you, caramel center of salvation. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I'm already there. You can't yeah. you can't go there because I've already been there and back and reported on how it's going. So that's you know right. I say he is risen. You can't just type it out. You know I I know that too that he is risen. It's too late now. You, I've already announced it. You liked the resurrection before it was cool. That's right. Okay. Go well, ahead. I'm going to go back to something Chad was talking about earlier, which is really made me happy this week. The um, Jed mentioned the idea of, a, you know, in a church environment, doing something along the lines of a everybody dance now, a hey cheer, kind of jock jams thing. So I was, we, we've done some interviews before on the show, and we're trying to book a couple more. So I'm looking at kind of people represent Christian artists, and I'm poking around the website, and um, there's one that, of a person where we're not going to announce yet, because we're not fully, fully, but we're pretty sure we've got a book, so it's going to be a great interview for us. But So I was looking around, I had a really nice interaction with our publicist, so I was looking around saying, well, who else does this lady represent that maybe, you know, if we already have an in? And uh, one of the other people, and the, the person I'm, we're looking at interviewing is a very mainstream Christian uh, white guy with a guitar, you know, Christian folk, kind of acoustic stuff. Well, great, he's a great artist. So I was looking at who else is there, the people I thought, and one of the people on the label, I looked at, 
was uh, you know, it's an African American brother with the pictures with the Beats headphones. So I thought it's okay. probably something different, maybe something That's a cool. One. We'd be involved in. It's a dude. This guy's name is Montel Jordan. Okay, right. He was the uh, vocalist on the '90s song "This Is How We Do It." Really, yes. and yeah. he is now the worship leader that. at Victory World Church in jo- in Norcross, Georgia. Okay, so somewhere. Wow. In northern Georgia, the dude who sang This Is How We Do It is leading worship every Sunday. Dude, that is fantastic. That's, that makes me really that's happy. That's pretty good. That's, uh, well, that's how he does it. <laughs> is it possible? I just want to put it out there. Is yeah. it possible to get Sir Mix-a-Lot to be our worship leader? That would, well, that, that would be the ultimate, wouldn't yeah. it? I mean, in terms of classing. Baby got faith. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. If, if if you can get Sir Mix-a-Lot to write that song and perform it, I'll pay any amount of money to buy that. That's pretty tune. good. No, this is we got to we got to break out of the mold, people. We got to break new ground. We got to go. We got to do something new. Well, I okay. like. I think we've hit a rich vein. I just now like the idea of other old school rap artists as worship leaders. Well, Eric B and Rakim follow the savior. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't run from run DMC like a reverend reverend. Yeah. 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 That's a distinct possibility. You know, uh, well, and I think like, uh, if you, if you sort of had them team up with like well-known theologians, you have like salt and pepper and Piper. (laughs) Salt and Piper. 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 Yeah. That's what I'm saying right there. I mean, come on. Bump Pepper out of there. What, what, what did she ever contribute? Salt and Piper, because he's coming in there with like explaining out. You know, the this, whole is, this is going to be going a little deep. Know? This is probably a, a little. Maybe people. It's a little risque for people. Tim <laughs> Keller, Mike. Okay. Okay. Noted Atlanta rapper Killer Mike, one yeah. half of Run the Jewels, okay. but very reformed. Absolutely. Right. right, that's right. Nice. Okay, I'm going to put it out there. Now, of course, one of these members, tragically, is deceased. This wouldn't be a possibility. But I'm thinking, of course, Pastor Pock. Sure. You know, right. but sure. we all know noted theologian, Bible scholar J.I. Packer. Sure. Right, that's right. Pock and Packer. Pock and Packer. Right. Let me. This is, <laughs> we're going back to old, this is getting. Famous, uh, this person very, very, actually both halves of these are passed on, so sad, Warren G. Campbell Morgan. (laughs) Wow. Wow, dude. Yeah. That was deep cut. This is the best thing about this podcast is the only people at this point that could at all even know or care what's going on are people with a working knowledge of 90s and and let's say less than great hip-hop. From the nineties, yeah. yeah, and theologians, and that's that's an overlap that it has basically only us in it. Yeah, it's, sure. it's what you call a niche market. Yeah, so um, we've enjoyed you watching the show. I, I've got one more. If you're yeah. watching the show, you're really wow. advanced, and that means you're here. I got well, one. You should be watching your pod right now. Got one more, and I think this is good because representation is bringing you know ladies into the mix. We're bringing together uh, 18th century Danish philosophy, right, and New York hip hop. Lil Kierkegaard. Wow, wow. So what you're saying is, <laughs> you felt the bit was going on. You say, wait a second, y'all. Let me don't don't go away. Stop this the train. Too good. Let me throw this on there before you leave the station. I think, and that was it there. Well, you could also do the full portmanteau and do it with Lil' Kim Cougard. 
that that's also a possibility. I, I accept that as well. Sure. sure. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, Jed. That's. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. As a Kierkegaard fan, you're delighted with that, I, and I know you are. I actually am. I actually am. <laughs> yeah. If you like puns, <laughs> theologians, and late '90s hip hop, you're one of the four of us. <laughs> Wow. Welcome. <laughs> Why are you listening to this? What is possibly going on? So uh, we never declared an emergency, I don't think. No, no he did. declared I it right at the beginning. Uh, oh, did you? Risen. Uh, that's right. It's totally uh, risen. You don't even know. Uh, but on that I was basis... T- I was so busy trying to think of bad puns, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> on that, that basis, I declare he is still risen, and I'm first, and I win emergency off. Run DMCS Lewis. Oh, my oh, gosh, wow. Yes. Wow. Had yeah, to get that dude. one in under the mark. Dude, wow. winner. Winner that, right that, there. That's, wow. that's for the that's win great. right Not there. bad, right? No, that's it. Yeah. All right. Well, we ha- we've gotten through an emergency. Now we have an exciting announcement. Okay. Oh. Every, most of the last several weeks come on here. I, I, this is the part of the show where I tell you about Bridgebox. And one of the weird things about Bridgebox is it's a lot of stuff. It's Some people see it as a music service. Some people see it as a Bible study curriculum. Some people see it as just a way to support ministry for a small amount of money. Sure. It's all those things. And up to now, we've had only my, let's be honest, pretty fumbling description to try to get all that to you. But now there's a better way. Ooh. We have, starting this week, a way for you to sample Bridgebox. Yeah. We will have set up and be watching our Tumblrs, Twitters, and various Facebooks to, we'll send this link out in all those various ways for you to sign up for a 48-hour Bridgebox trial. Wow, that's cool. The way this works, we'll we'll, uh, send out a link to a sign-up page on our MailChimp account. You'll sign up. You'll get an email from MailChimp to confirm your email address. And then within 24 hours, you will get a link, a unique link, that will last for 48 hours to a bridge box and you can try it out. Awesome. You can download everything. There's MP3s, there's PDFs of Bible studies and devotionals. Download it all. That's yours to keep. But the link lasts for 48 hours, your unique link. And that is how you can try out Bridgebox. We're going to keep that going. We'll kick this up every once in a while. But we want to thank our friend Adam Whedon down there in Florida, who is a web design wizard and got this all hooked up for us in an almost questionable amount of time. Like, he did this so quickly, we kind of couldn't conceive of how it could work. Sure. So you're saying witchcraft? Yes. Almost certainly. Well, okay. I, I kind of assume all internet stuff is some form of witchcraft. Absolutely. Come for the bridge box, stay for the witchcraft. That's right. Sure. New catchphrase. But big thanks to Adam, who saved us um, uh, either years of work or tens of thousands of dollars, both of which we don't have, yes. by being a web design ninja and hooking us up that for us. And if you've been hearing about Bridgebox, thought about it, maybe haven't understood it, or you subscribe to Bridgebox and think somebody else might enjoy it, it's time. It's time to get your sample. Again, be looking out. At some point, we'll have a sign-up page up that runs off our website, but we, we're not quite there yet. But we'll all have up on the tumblers, and when this episode goes up, and we'll tweet it out throughout the week. So remember the bridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can also follow at the bridge CHI on Twitter, or we're all on Twitter, just our names. I'm Matt King-er with an E-R because I have the most common name this side of John Smith. But big time, if you ever want to try out Bridgebox, now's the time. Again, everything you download, which is each Bridgebox has like 
four or five songs, a sermon from Glenn, a sermon for myself, a four-week formatted Bible study, a, a PDF of a giving letter, a PDF of a guest devotional. So all that stuff from your trial, you can just download, and that's yours now. You can do whatever you want with it. So be on the lookout for that. And if you just feel like you want to go ahead and sign up, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. It's not for the younger version, missionusa.com slash bb. L-Y. If you want to sign up for both with the super secret link, or if you have a problem with your test link, if you sign up and don't get it, you can always email me with any other questions, Matt at MissionUSA.com. All right, we're going to go to our first question here. If you have a question for us, you can have this all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways to get in touch with us. The question comes in to our email address, and it says, I find it hard to get dating advice from my college ministry because all the answers are... And I feel like there's a certain voice this is set in. So, of course, i got to do the voice. I think you must do the voice. <laughs> Just wait. Mm. Just wait. And mm. your future soulmate will come to you. Mm. Nice. And I always hear you guys talking about being proactive about dating. So I guess my question is, how into a girl do I have to be before I ask her out? And Lee, why don't you start us off here? I can start us off, but before I do, I think we should all take a, a moment to reflect on the fact that Matt just did... Um, College Pastor Matt. Yeah. Wow. The character. Yeah, yeah I yeah. enjoyed that. I enjoyed and that a lot. I didn't know that you had that character in the chamber, Matt, but that was a really cool. A dark vision of an alternate timeline. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, here's the thing is when um at, and and the college ministries that you're hearing this from, it's kind of a I mean this in in the most I'm from the South and so this is the most southern way that I can say this. Bless their hearts. They don't mean to do this to you, but they just don't know what they're talking about. And, and and that's okay. I mean, there's a lot of things in ministry that you don't really know what to do because you've never really done it well. You don't, And you just, with, within that, not to cut you off, Lee, but we talk a lot about the show about people who are don't really know what they're talking about and are kind of doing that in a way that's intentionally boned. Sure. I think, and I think what you're saying, and I know in my experience with a lot of college ministries, they don't, they're trying to help. Yes, they're trying to say something to take the pressure right, off, right. but without realizing that infinite waiting doesn't take the pressure <laughs> off. Well, and, and I appreciate you pointing that out because that's exactly what I was trying to say. I mean, most of these dudes, most of these people that are, you know, and and, and we hope and we 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 really want them to be. We, we want these folks that are doing these ministries to be in it to serve you and to help you and to set you up well. That they that they have a good heart, that they're sincere about their faith and their walk, and they want to help you, but they just don't know what to do on this because nobody told them. And it's just, we have this really, really messed up culture when it comes to dating. And the thing is, is that everybody's just so afraid of the risk of heartache. And and, and the, the fact is, as we kind of get into answering this for you, there is no strategy that you can go through on this that allows you to minimize the risk completely. If you ask someone out, they might say no. Yeah. If you ask someone out, they may date you for a while and they may break up with you. These are things that happen in the world. And here's the deal. If you've never really been through this, the the idea can be, you know, it, it, there can be a paralyzing fear of like, that is the worst thing that could ever happen to me in the history of the world. But the thing is, it's really, really not. Um, when you, when you go out with somebody, when you, at some point you're going to have to look a human being in the eye and ask her to go out with you on a date. And the thing that you're going to find out is up or down, it's, it's not, it's not the end of the world if they say no, 
you ask somebody else out, and if you go out, you know, then then you get to know about what dating is like. You get to know what this person is like, what you're like in that situation. You probably won't do it well. Go talk to somebody about how you can do that better. All this kind of stuff. This is a learning process. But as far as the the really specific part of your question, how into a girl do I have to be to ask her out? And I here's what I want to do. I wish that we could just tap into the the earbuds of all kind of college guys everywhere for just a second. And I'm going to pretend that we have done that. And I'm going to say, holy crap, guys, ask a girl out. Holy crap, ask her out today. Find a girl who loves Jesus and ask her on a date. The, the amount of guys who are paralyzed and just like, I just don't know. I just don't know if she's the one. It's Somebody doesn't have to be the one. Just go out for some coffee or some ice cream. Go out, take a board game to a coffee shop and hang out together. It's not that big of a deal. But the number of guys that are paralyzed by this idea of, I have to basically be sure that we could be married for the rest of our lives before I ever ask her out. I think that is shutting dudes down. And and if I could talk to all of the college guys, I would say you don't have to be sure about your compatibility or how you know what your kids are going to look like or anything like that. Just ask somebody out on a date. Again, you can't minimize the risk of of what it's going to feel like if the thing goes south. But that's part of this whole process. It's part of living. It's part of life. It's part of understanding what dating is about. But holy cow, ask somebody out. Do it now. Well, strong words from a frustrated man <laughs> who spent a lot of time counseling college girls who should have been asked out a long time ago. You bet. All right. Well, uh, Glenn, I think there's a lot of good stuff. Why don't you pick up on that? One thing I'd like maybe you to unpack for us is – there is a time, a very specific set of circumstances when waiting makes sense. Sure. But we seem to have maybe overapplied that. No question. I mean, the Bible talks a lot about uh, waiting on the Lord, the, the idea of uh, being in a position where maybe uh, you're doing, a, let's say, a, a summer internship program, and there aren't any young people your age where you're at, and so there isn't anyone to ask out, and you're feeling lonely. And the Lord would say, well, you know, I want you to wait and I want you to prepare yourself and so on and so forth. Th- that stuff can make sense. I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit out there to, to think about. And there are times when the, the Lord is saying to people who have maybe a more extreme trauma in their lives, they've gone through a bad uh, uh, growing up circumstance, maybe they had a really bad experience of some sort, and they need to work on that, and they need to deal with an insecurity issue, a body image issue, those kinds of things. Uh, and the Lord might say, well, I want you to wait on dating until you've, you've dealt with this. So, so it, yes, in that case, obviously waiting makes sense, and we're all okay with that. But that's not what you are talking about. You're right. talking about waiting just to be waiting. And that makes no sense. You know, you, you wait until you find the person that, that you would like to date, you can't wait for the person you want to spend the rest of your life with because you don't know that person. It, we, you, you, you can't get that information until you date them. So that's not, yeah. <laughs> that's not a thing. What, what, what you're looking for is someone that you're, you're waiting for someone to, that you would like to date, that you would like to get to know, and someone that you're attracted to. That's how this works. But here's the thing is, 
when you meet that person, it is as Lee is saying, it makes no sense to wait. What are we waiting for? What right. is it? What is waiting for the sake of waiting? It makes no sense in this situation, and that's that's uh, 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 again a part of the Christian culture where we we're trying to keep people from having sex, and instead we've gotten into the situation where we treat dating as if it's something that has to be done just right, or yeah. it all you know goes crazy. So I think we need to push the reset button on that. Jed, once you uh, answer the, take a shot at the specific question he asked about how interested you have to be. Uh, well, uh, to me, uh, you just have to be interested in getting to know her better. That's sure. That's really it. I mean, there, there's a difference between asking someone on a coffee date and saying, "I would like to date you." The, those are not yep. the same yeah. thing. Right. Um, and um, you don't need to jump right to saying, "I want to date you." You know, I mean, it's it's mm-hmm. it's. Completely fine to say, hey, you seem cool. I'd love to buy a cup of coffee and get to know you better. Um, and the, the only thing that you need to have in order to do that is a desire to get to know her better. I mean, right. the funny thing is that in life, um, if you work really in any kind of at all collaborative setting, on a fairly regular basis, you should be meeting people and saying, you know, I know you have a real expertise in XYZ. I'd love to get together with you and pick your brain. Right. Can, I, can I buy you a cup of coffee and just, you know, I'd like... We do that stuff all the time. Exactly right. You know, that's that's just a part of professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, this is that same thing as just more relational stuff. You know, it's mm-hmm. just you seem like a cool person as opposed to has someone with an expertise in something. I just like to get to know you better, right. you know. Um uh, and again, the, the only thing you need there is desire. Um, I think, uh, you know, to echo what all these guys are saying, we don't need to build this up into a big thing. It's not. Right. Um, you know, exactly. um, the goal is to grow into a big thing. You know, the goal in the long term is to meet the right person and have that grow into a marriage. But it starts with a very small thing that you can do today. Uh, That's y- right. You seem cool. I'm buying the Starbucks. What do you say we go do this thing? That's all you need. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. I want to go back to kind of something we said at the beginning of this, uh, which is, I do truly believe that the people who are giving this advice of just wait are trying to be helpful. Sure. And I would guess if I could put myself into their brain, which is a horrifying proposition, that what they're thinking is people, I'm, they're trying to have it all in that, well, the, as Glenn's pointed out, the worst thing that could happen is you could be dating someone and then go too far physically and then God would curse you. Apparently, they kind of think they talk like they think that. Yeah. yeah. Or there are a certain amount of people who just aren't going to be dating, so we might as well try to not make them feel bad about that and just kind of paint that as you know waiting for something holy. Which, if you know, if you're a, if you're a college do uh, ministry dude giving a sermon to a room full of people who are one way or the other terrified of dating, it's a, it's not the worst thing in the world to say. To get at some of this stuff, just because you're not actively dating someone doesn't mean you are a failure at all things romantic. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're saying on the show, too. But we're like, we're, as I, you make a really good point in your question, you say, you guys talk about being proactive about dating. And later on, when we talk about dating synergy, it's going to get. Yeah. Don't you ever about synergy, Lemon? The whole dating business plan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But it's absolutely true. Because a, a lot of what we're trying to say about dating, we've had a couple of questions come in recently about people saying, you know, I hear this at church, but it sounds like you guys are saying this. And then we had one from our, our friend Philip a couple weeks ago who said, like, you know, talk about my church talks about dating with an eye towards marriage, and you guys seem to be more casual about it. Again, we're kind of talking about dating as a process, yeah. which it has kind of worked as that process up until one 19-year-old dude wrote a book and tried to set off a bomb on everything. But and that to walk through that, it's just talking about 
you kind of know someone as an acquaintance or friend or whatever, and you take that one toe in the water of why don't we try hanging out alone in a situation together? And then if you do that a few times and it's pleasant, why don't we put a definition on this, a boyfriend, girlfriend or whatever, and then that gets a little more serious, that gets a little long-term, then engagement, then marriage, then special hugs and whatnot. Here's the thing, is you can't waiting just postpones the beginning of that process. Right, right. You don't wait and then get to jump to engagement just because you've waited so long. That's not how that works. Lee, you got something to take us out on? Well, just that if if this wasn't, if we weren't talking about dating, if you put this whole kind of process in, a, in just in a different kind of context, if it was, you know, like in your city, the, you know, a new restaurant moved into town and it's just like, it, it was one of these deals where it's like, hey, uh, you want to try this new restaurant? It's like, I, I don't know, man. I just, I just don't know. I, I just, I just don't know if that food's for me. You know, I, I don't know if uh, I, I don't know if that if that menu and I are really uh, really compatible. You know, you wouldn't see yeah. it that way. You would just see it as, well. I mean, you just go to lunch. If it sucks, then uh, oh well, then I won't go back there. But if if it's great, then then cool. Then I've got a new place. You know, to to go. And in in a in a situation like that, something you've done before, where the, the pressure doesn't feel as high, that's that's a much easier thing to get your head around. Well, well, just going on a little date with somebody, it's really the same kind of thing. I mean, it's yeah. it's look, this this is not a pressureful situation. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But if it does, then then hey, cool. Then there's this this whole new thing that my you know this kind of opened up in my life. Absolutely, absolutely, Glenn. You know, I think here's the thing w- with all of this is uh, to to look at this from the perspective of fear. Here's here's what we're trying to do with you, uh, the listener of this podcast. Uh, this is what your college ministry should be trying to do with you, is to banish that fear from your life. That's, that's our role. Fear is not helping you. Fear is not a, right. of God. Uh, fear of the future, fear of failure, fear of uh, making a commitment, and a fear of vulnerability— all of these things are going to hurt you. They are hurting you now if you're caught up in the fear of those things. Uh, uh, the Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. And that's what we're trying to uh, suggest that you move towards is a life where fear doesn't grip you. So let's say you take a person who is dealing with these fears and you say to them, as you quote from your college uh, ministry person, just wait. And your future soulmate will come to you. What I've done is I've taken all of your fears and said, you don't have to do anything about getting rid of those fears. You will be blessed by cowering alone and hiding. Someone will will dig into the underground bunker where you are and find (laughs) you and be your soulmate. That's yep. not going to happen. We've, we've just baptized cowardice is all we've done. That's all we've done. And that's what these books, these Christian dating books, are really doing, is taking, okay, I know these people are afraid, they're shy, they're nervous. That's usual. You know, your first time you're dating, sure. of course you're going to be afraid. But what these books are doing and what these, what these people are doing is taking that fear and using it as a manipulation move and legitimizing that fear. And it gives you the sense, as a listener... Uh, where you're saying, oh my gosh, I I thought I was afraid for no good reason, but now I think there is a reason. You know, now I thought I was just spooked because it was all new to me, but now I'm really worried. Maybe I could do this thing wrong, whatever. So I think it's important to recognize 
that that uh, when someone tells you something that sort of uh, lines up with those fears and 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 uh, you know begins to use that to to manipulate you in some sort of way, we have to get away from that. Absolutely, I want to close this out by. I think that's a great point. It's worth exploring the idea of we have this phrase kind of in our bridge preaching that telling people what their itching ears want to hear. So, and a lot of this stuff you see in some of these books, in maybe some ministries, a lot of, I see a lot of these kind of quotes pop up online of basically someone saying, hey, that thing you're on that's holding you back, your insecurity and your introversion and your fear, Jesus just loves it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So whenever anyone's ever telling you this thing that clearly is having a negative effect on your life, and I'm not saying this is the person who wrote this question in, but it's a lot of people. If you're not dating because you're scared of rejection... For someone to come along and say, Jesus just, mm, he's just so honored by your waiting in a season of singleness, yeah, that is not true, right. and that is someone who is hoping you will keep buying or clicking on or whatever their stuff, yeah. right? so they're telling you what they want to hear. And let me be very clear, we do the Bridgebox plug because we have people who support Bridgebox and we want you to support Bridge. Here's the thing, we don't get any money for this podcast. Yeah, right. We don't get any money for the blogs. We all have day jobs where people donate to support work we do with Lee, that's with kids in the church in Tennessee, with all of us up here, that's with addicts and gangbangers and guys behind bars. This is a side project. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. We love yeah. doing it, and we've met some amazing people, and we're going to keep doing it. We love the ministry we do. But here's the thing. None of us are counting on this to make us rich or famous <laughs> right. or support us in any way. Right. So right. that's why we do things like making fun of He is Risen right. and all can. that stuff, because, because it entertains us and... <laughs> To make it very clear, we're not interested in telling you what you want to hear. Yeah, yeah. We're, we and, and we're we're working hard to kick your behind on this. Type yeah, of absolutely, you, you because know? we get feedback, and this has been through all all of our ministries. I'm specifically talking about the podcast here. We've gotten feedback, and the good feedback you always get, whether with Lee that's counseling a kid, with us that's talking with a guy, it's always I super didn't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now it's two years later, and that was the thing I needed, yeah. even though I was super yeah. mad at you at the time. Right. So if you've got. This is not a universal, but if you got someone who's saying, I think everything you're doing is great and Jesus is totally on board with it all the time, mm, that's a person who at best, who at worst is flat out lying to you to stroke their own ego, or even in their most, um, even in the most banal state, which is what maybe what be going with his college ministry, is they're worried about offending you yeah. by mm-hmm. saying sure. how it is. And that's really not a way to go through things. Yeah. Maybe. You don't have to be as naughty as we are about it, but we got to keep ourselves <laughs> yeah. entertained here. All right. So a lot of good stuff. If you're interested in her at all, ask her out. That's what coffee's for. Do it. It's $3 for Starbucks. You'll be fine. Do it. All right. We're going to move on to our next question here. This came in to our Tumblr from our friend. My name is Colton. Mm. That's his username on Tumblr. It says, what does biblical community actually look like? Obviously, I know that we should be building each other up and walking through life together, keeping the, quote, iron sharpens iron idea in mind. But do you have any advice on how to keep a balance between dealing with stuff that we would be considered spiritual and dealing with real life day to day stuff? And how do we extend or include this idea of building biblical community with those around us? Really cool question. Glenn wants to start us off. It is really cool. And this is uh, this is uh, bringing us really back to the definition of what ministry is. Ministry is where we take the ideals of Scripture and figure out how to live them in the real world. So we, we're, we're getting the real and the ideal uh, to work together, to be in, in, in conjunction with one another, 
uh, we, we take these ideals of Scripture and say, I don't know how on earth I'm going to apply that. And we work that out. That's, that's the actual <laughs> definition of ministry. Fellowship is not about uh, uh, getting together and, and saying, Good Lord's Day, brother. Ah, yes, good Lord's Day to you as well, brother. Uh, uh, I am most blessed and highly favored. It is good and right to give our praise. <laughs> that's not. That's not. What, it was kind of bizarre how easy that was for us. To yeah, that's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> here's the thing: is Franciscan monk Jed is the creepiest of all. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> here's the thing: is this is not what fellowship is. Just talking a lot of spiritual gibberish at each other is not fellowship. Uh, that, that it has no ministry value, as we're talking about here. Uh, the the point of fellowship is to be honest with people that you can trust, and that's the that's the key and important thing. If you have people you you can be trusted, you're supposed to go in there and be honest. Now, here's the thing that I know, uh, you know, lots and lots and lots of of you people out there struggle with being honest in sort of a Christian environment because there is not a lot of it happening yep. okay. where you're at. So. It's important to figure out uh, uh, an environment where you can do that. But once you get into that environment where you can be honest, you need to be honest uh, because you're laying out the struggles that you have on a day-to-day basis. And out of that will come, how do we then obey Scripture? How do we then bring this around to what God is asking us to do? You don't spiritualize your problem. You don't say, I'm struggling a lot because I have a lot of issues with lust, so it's probably a lust demon, you know, so let's cast it out and bind it. You know. Hold you're, the you're, that's Hold probably a thing you're making up that you haven't heard in real life, right, Glenn? Yeah, right. Uh, that, you know, hold up. What, what, why don't we talk about the problems you have with lust and why you struggle with lust? Is there a certain situation, a certain thing that's triggering that? Is there are there physical things that we can do in the real world that will help yeah. us with that? Then at the end of that process, we'll we'll look at prayer, we'll look at the Bible, we'll look at bringing that in as a way of of, of driving all this uh, to to the hoop. The other thing I want to talk about fellowship real quickly, and I'll kick it around to these other guys. A lot of us do uh, work with uh, people uh, who do twelve step type stuff, and in twelve step programs, they have a term called crosstalk. The idea is if you have a group of people who are uh, dealing with addiction and one of them will get up and do what they call a share. They will say, here's what I'm struggling with and and describe uh, some difficult problem they had during the week. Now, that's not the Christian humble brag where it's like, I was struggling all week. Then I prayed and the Lord made me really strong and holy. (laughs) And I said, hallelujah, to you get all the praise and glory, God. Of course, I'm telling the story about myself. Sure, but, how you know, awesome you, you get the credit, Lord, and that, and now God was credited with the assist. That's <laughs> yeah. good too. And I'm delivered, so now it's all over with. Executive so, producer, God. You know, so it, it's funny how a lot of these uh, requests for help involve I was screwed up, but I already fixed it, and now it's straight. You know, yeah. so that that you know, uh, but the idea is we're supposed to share. Um, but in in some of these programs, they, in these twelve step programs, they outlaw crosstalk. That yeah. is, they don't let other people in the group comment on what's going on. Right. Some, well, I tell you what I do. Yeah, exactly. 
in, in other groups, they, they want to see that happen and what have you. But what you have to recognize is if you're in a group who can help you, then you need to encourage that crosstalk, so yeah. to speak. If you're in a group that cannot help you, you need to uh, work with those people to understand, I'm sharing what my struggle is. I'm not asking for you to uh, give your thoughts on that. The, the, we, we have a fancy uh, theological term for that that we stole from elsewhere that we, we definitely, definitely love, and that term is pasturbation. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it may be my favorite thing of all time yeah, that I've great. ever heard because it really perfectly defines what the, the, the problem is there. But it's the idea of I'm going to pastor you and shepherd you and say brilliant and amazing things because you happen to mention a problem I think I know something about or I've heard a verse on or something like that. That's not actually what you need. Uh, you need people who can listen to you, and if they have a smart word of advice, yes, we want to hear from that. But that might be something that you do on a one-on-one -on -one basis with a mentor as opposed to uh, in, in that sort of environment. A little peek behind the curtain, people. Yeah. Sometimes there's a text thread that runs while we record <laughs> the episodes with things we wouldn't say on air. Yeah. And literally, at the moment the word pasturbation is leaving Glenn's mouth, Lee texts the other three of us <laughs> talking a lot about stuff you know, a.k.a. Pasturbation. <laughs> Which, to give you a little sense of the scale, that's Lee saying, this is something we would never say on the show. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm going to text it. Yeah. As right. Glenn's saying it. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes me so happy. Yeah. Lee, <laughs> answer the question, please. <laughs> the moment that I hit send... The words came out of the brother's mouth. Yeah. Now, sometimes the the group thinks a little scary over here. Oh, okay. So uh, I was actually the other day I was listening to um, an interview of a dude named Ira Glass. A lot of you guys know who he is. He's he he uh, is a radio personality. Runs a show called This American Life. If it's, you listen to podcasts, I think if you have a podcast app, yeah. you know who Ira Glass is. You know who Ira Glass is. Uh, this the person who was interviewing Ira asked him. Um, at the end of at the end of this interview, uh, give me some tips on interviewing. Something I wouldn't think of. Um, you, you know, you're you're the best in the business. How can I get better at interviewing? I want I want to draw people out and you know get them to kind of talk about themselves and stuff. And and Iris said, you know, whenever I'm, he said, I don't actually interview a lot of famous people. He said, you know, on my show, it's it's people nobody ever, it's you know, kind of quote unquote normal people. But you're, what you're always trying to do is you're always trying to get them to say the thing that maybe they didn't come in the room planning to say. You, you, you want to draw out this authentic, real who they are. And he said, and what I'm going to say to you is going to sound counterintuitive because probably your thing, you probably think like the biggest mistake you can make when you're interviewing somebody is to talk about yourself. You need to talk about them the whole time. He said, but what I've found is it's the, the opposite is true. If I will talk about myself and be real about myself, then that sends a message that there's a welcome mat for authenticity. And so it's one of these things where in, in, uh, I have a lot of groups of dudes that I meet with and, and, uh, you know, I have this kind of Christian fellowship and stuff like that. And, you know, some of the guys that I meet with, they like to talk about sports. Some of the guys talk about, you know, nerdy stuff or whatever. And what, what, you know, whenever it's, you know, whatever that mix is of kind of sports and normal stuff and spiritual stuff and what we're actually going through, that always seems to get kicked off by somebody who's willing to say, all right, I, I got to talk about what I'm going through. 
and is willing to say, this is, this is the hard time that I'm having, and this might be uh, difficult or embarrassing for me, or uh, you know, I kind of shudder to say this out loud, but I need to share this with you guys. And if you, are, if, if you are kind of getting together with people on purpose, and you're wanting to have that kind of, that kind of close-knit friendship or community, I would say the number one thing is to set up on purpose the idea that this is an environment where we can be ourselves, where you can, you can, if you need to say something, it needs to be raw or it needs to be, um, you know, you need to be open, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to, I'm going to demonstrate that by, I'm not going to be insincere with you. I'm not going to front. I'm not going to, like Glenn was talking about the humble brag thing. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to show you what I'm actually like, what I'm actually going through, what's actually kind of hurting me and stuff like that. And that sends the signal that this is the environment we're in. This, you are welcome to be yourself. And I, and I, can, I can definitely say in my experience, that's kind of, you know, uh, you know some groups – you know, I would say that, like, you know, kind of being real on purpose and two, not trying to force something to be anything, you know, like every time we get together, you know, if we're together for an hour, there needs to be at least 20 minutes of Jesus and, you know, 40 minutes of whatever. Don't force anything to be, sometimes it's going to be a lot of whatever. Sometimes it's going to be a lot of spiritual talk, but just, you know, let something be natural and let it be as real and as authentic as possible. That's a great point. One of the things we may be kind of starting in the middle on a lot of this, because the questions about building community, we hear that a lot in Christian circles. Every pastor from talking, all the, we just want to build community, build community. And it's a great goal. But one of the things that it may be skipping over is the fact that community often springs from something else. Yeah, A sense of community, sometimes you have to start building something else before what we think of as community happens, right, Jed? I think so. I can tell you what's been true in my experience, and that is a sense of unity comes first. Mm. Um, community grows out of unity. You may know that those are related mm. words, actually. And, and this is something Glenn taught me, I think is 100% true, is the only true unity in life is unity of purpose. That's, mm. that's, the only, that's well, certainly the most potent form of unity that exists, and in many ways is the only true form of unity. I think, um, you know, we have in our community here in Chicago, I guess we have seven staff, um, it, you mm, know, yeah. so we have you know, a few full-time staff and a few part-time staff, um, you know, and then we have, you know, maybe a half dozen kind of very involved volunteers, you know, and whatnot, and we have a fantastic sense of community, despite the fact that the demographic differences, if you said that there were basically 20 people between kind of our staff and our, you know, very involved volunteers, maybe a group of 20 people on the high side, the demographic differences in that group of 20 people is unbelievable. It's really true, actually. I, I mean, you would, ne you have never in your life met that diverse a group of people. We had a Christmas party. Um, and everybody was here. It was it was all twenty people, and it was the most fun uh, you've ever yes. seen a group of people have in their entire lives. Yes. I mean, it, it was an absolute blast. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's having a good time. But again, think of the biggest demographic differences you can think of. They're all present. Well, we had um, nineteen or twenty year old Moody students from Georgia and Tennessee. And a 70-year-old African-American woman who's lived her entire life on the west side of Chicago. That's correct. Right. That's correct. And everything in between. Yeah. Um, um, but there's a great sense of community. How is that 
possible? It's possible because all of us are working to achieve the same thing. Right. In this mm-hmm. case, that is to minister to men and women coming out of prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of us... It's a great point. And the thing that it does not grow out of is us all sitting around and saying, we're going to be very intentional about creating community. <laughs> right. that, well, that's the funny thing, actually, is, you know, you hear people talk a lot about intentional community, and I'm, I'm not trying to badmouth it, but we're actually kind of not intentional about our community. Certainly not right. in the way that... that people who use that phrase would mean it. I mean, we work to make sure there's fun togetherness and, you know, fellowship time and whatnot. We're going to all go to have a cookout at my place or whatever. Um, But it's an outgrowth of that shared purpose. The thing we're intentional about is we're all here because we want to see men and women coming out of prison get ministered to. Yeah, we're trying to get the job done. We're here to do a job. Everything else flows out of that. But out of that unity of purpose flows real actual unity. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we function as one group, as one team, all 20 people. And out of that unity flows an insane amount of community. Um, you know, just just an amazing degree of, of togetherness. Well, part of that is because, and I'm sure, I know it's the same way with the guys Lee works with in Tennessee. I know it's the same way with, um, like, Young Life teams that Lee and I have been on. Part of that is because then community is not an option. It becomes yeah. a necessity. That's exactly right. right. We do things like the movie nights and the cookout because we've got to have fun and blow off steam and bond together in order to get those things accomplished we want to accomplish that's exactly right that's exactly right so i think uh, and by the way colton we appreciate you listening man we appreciate you writing in i think for you i wonder if you're looking for more community in your life i wonder if that doesn't begin with finding some guys that you can have a sense of shared purpose with something that you guys want to accomplish together that that doesn't have to be something big it doesn't have to be something long term then it could be we're going to all do habitat for humanity together you know uh, one weekend this month and you know we're going to you know help to set up vacation bible school or, or whatever it is but i think if you have some guys where you're working together to accomplish something for the kingdom together i think you will find community flowing out of that I think that's an excellent Amen. point. I want to pick up on that because I think a little bit of this goes back to what we were talking about in the previous question with um, the way religious stuff can get mismanaged or mismarketed because part of what I think might be going on in this question and I think maybe a lot of our listeners are dealing with is you may actually have, I mean, there's always room for more of it and it's good to want more of it, but you may actually have a pretty good sense of community in your life but be wondering, is this religious enough to right. count? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, you know, he yeah, mentions yeah. like, uh, and we want to, as always, we want to specifically answer the question you asked, and Lee, everybody touched on this a little bit. I don't really want to lay it out there. You say, you know, what's the advice on dealing between, you know, daily kind of day-to-day stuff and bigger, more spiritual whatnot? And here's the thing, as Jed pointed out, especially here in Chicago, and this also goes for our, our community kind of we have with the online stuff with Lee and some of our other friends who do that stuff with us. Um, the uh, the ratio of goofing off to very serious spiritual discussions leans real hard towards the goofing off yeah. side. Oh, yeah, yeah, wildly. Now, we get a lot of stuff done, and we do a lot of ministry, and we do a lot of what from the outside looks like, you know, back-breaking kingdom work, but we were, somebody said something on stage, and Glenn made the, the comment to Jed and I at one of our bridge services a couple of weeks ago that, up here in Chicago Bridge, we laugh more during the worship service yeah. than anyone I've ever heard of. Yeah, it's yeah. not that we don't take it seriously. It's not, th- and it's not that it's not spiritual, but spiritual and serious tone mm. are not always the same thing. So, <laughs> if you're saying, like Lisa, you know, if you say, you know, hey, you know, I got this group of guys, and we hang out, we, you know, we go see a movie, and we go play frisbee in the park, and then occasionally we'll be sitting down for a hot dog, and somebody will 
you know, have something they're going through and we'll talk about that for five minutes and we don't really have any good advice, but we say, man, that sucks. I'm praying for you. That's community, man. That's, right. that's, that's, that's getting it done. You don't yep. need to feel that's not inadequate Christian community. Yeah. That's yep. all the yep. way there. You're, yeah, that's right. So there's a lot of this stuff when you're feeling your way through kind of these Christian words and what you're, the, especially when you're in that kind of college, post-college, trying to build that life in yourself. A lot of it is looking for things, being active, building things, but some of that is taking the time to look around at what you actually have and mm. understanding how that might fit these criteria. So yeah. it's very possible. And I would almost guess likely you're actually doing better in the, in this than you might think. Yeah. So we're going to move on to our last question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr. It says, how do you know if you're in the right career? I'm a performer and I'm successful in my career, but it's hard. I'm constantly running into auditions and rehearsals and dealing with directors who treat me less than human. But even without all that, I don't even think I enjoy performing. I don't wake up excited to do my job. I like it, but I don't love it. Am I settling for less? For less? I ask Jesus about this all the time, but I seem to get different answers every day. And Jen, why don't you start us off? Well, um, we really appreciate you writing in, and we, we appreciate your question. And just so you know off the top, I'm so sorry for what you're dealing with. Um, you know, the, the truth is the entertainment world is a very, very difficult place to be. Um, uh, if it helps at all, I, I'm actually a, a filmmaker as part of my background and actually part of the work that I do for Glenn here in Chicago. I've, I've done that for about 10 years now. And, um, I work with a lot of, of actors and actresses. Uh, I'm assuming that's what you are, if not perhaps a, a dancer, but, um, um, when I bring in actors and actresses for a project that I'm working on, it's like someone coming in from a war. I mean, mm. just, you know, I mean, and just kind of this, are you going to be uncool to me too? And there's kind of, you know, the first hour or so is, oh God, Jed's actually a cool guy. I can relax. I don't know what to do with that. And right. that's, that's okay. The thing, it's, it's tough. I mean, we, we deal, actually a lot of us deal with a lot of musicians and the truth is the majority of musicians that we deal with, you know, even people who are very successful, ha just deal with so much awful stuff, you know, day in and day out. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they just, you wouldn't, I, the person asking this question would believe it, but people generally, you wouldn't believe how terrible Christians are to mm -hmm. musicians, actors, actresses, artists. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's rough, dude. But here's the thing um, that I'd like to, to ask back to you is, is it possible that this is not about, you say, um, I don't think I enjoy performing. I want to put back to you, are you sure that's true? Because uh, I think there's every chance you don't enjoy performing in this context. And I think context is, uh, is key. I, I want to encourage you to try a thought experiment. And that is to take your skill, before we worry about changing careers, just a thought experiment, to take your skill, your skill set, and imagine what would it like to serve people with it. Right. If I'm, if I'm a dancer, what would it look like for me to serve people with dance? If I'm an actor or an actress, what would it look like for me to serve people with my skills as a thespian? How, how would that play out? The thing is, the sky's the limit. There's a mil whatever skill you have, Jesus can use it, but particularly right. in the arts, man, there's a million things you can do with that. I guarantee you, because I've been involved in most of them. Right, right. Um, and what I can tell you is for the actors and actresses that I work with on a regular basis, um, uh, the moment we're working on a project that's about helping people and benefiting people that are hurting, it's a completely different thing. Yeah. yeah, they're they're loving it. They're having a great time. They're just you know we just need to do more of this. This this is the whole thing. So I that's the place I'd encourage you to start is to is to start by just imagining you know and and meditating on what would it look like to use this to help people. 
Um, and I think you're going to rediscover the love that you have for it. You may or may not, at the end of that, want this to be the thing that brings in money. That's kind of a separate consideration. But I would encourage you to not assume you don't love the performing. Um, I, I'd, I'd actually be surprised if that's the case. I think you may be burned out on all the nonsense that goes along with performing in a professional context, mm-hmm. and no one can blame you for that. Um, but I, I wouldn't assume that you don't care about the performing just yet. Let's give a try using it to help other people. Totally. And Leah, I'd love to get you to talk about, I think, part of what's going on with this, and this isn't just specific to artistic things or performing right. things, but a lot of young people, when they've worked so hard to get to a point of some success in their career, sometimes that means not knowing who you are without that career. And yeah. I think that sense of identity can go a long way towards your general happiness, right? Yeah, totally. It's it's really interesting because, in, in, and you're exactly right, this is a huge consideration for young folks, but... And it, one thing that I found working with, with folks, uh, you know, of all ages is that this persists, this idea of, of, you know, the thing that I do gives me my sense of value, uh, my sense of worth. And if the thing that you do, and, and, and like, like you're saying, Matt, this isn't just about performers, but this could be, you know, doctors, teachers, engineers, anything, if uh, whatever vocation you have, if your sense of personal worth or value comes from the thing that you do, your vocation or what you're doing to make money, you're actually never going to, there, there's not enough applause in the universe to fill that space up. Um, you can't get your sense of personal worth from the thing that you do. Yeah. Um, you can, you can do satisfying work. Uh, you can do things that you, you can find a thing that you're very good at, that you're called to, that, that, um, that, that, you know, it's, uh, you're making a difference or, or even when you're serving people, all that kind of stuff, that's all really, really, you can find really, really cool things about it. But no matter what you do, you can't actually get your sense of personal value from those things. You can't get your sense of worth from how big your paycheck is. You yeah. might get an audition for a job, you know, an acting job or, you know, some kind of performance where the payout is like the biggest thing that you've ever done in your entire career. And then you get to the end of that and that feels good and everything, but it goes away. Yeah. Uh, you might get a, you know, standing ovation, really great reviews, but those things will go away or really bad reviews or whatever, whatever the case is, you have to settle this issue of where your worth comes from with or without your vocation. Um, if you're an engineer or if you're a doctor, or if you're a teacher, or if you're a performer, whatever you are, if you work in food service, if you work in medical field, whatever you do, you have to get this thing settled apart from that, which is that the God of the universe made you and he made you you on purpose. He made you the exact way that you are with uh, the, the, the laugh that you have, with the, the likes and dislikes that you have, with the gifts that you have, the things that you bring into friendships and relationships, the things that you bring into the kingdom of God, the way that only you can, the fingerprint uniqueness of you, God made you that way on purpose. And then he gave his only son for you. I mean, your value is limitless. It's immeasurable. We can't, you you have infinite value and worth because God made you the way he did and he gave his own son for you. You have to get to a place where you can, and not that you can today, like we're saying these words and so it's like, oh, okay, well that settles it. But we need to get, we need to kind of uh, point down the pathway 
of starting to resolve. Like I, I'm going to start walking down the road of getting my sense of worth from who God says I am, from who the blood of Jesus says I am. And then that frees me up to be able to use my gifts or to work my job or to whatever, and to be able to give that life away without having to have all of that come back to me and tell me who I am. Yeah. I think we have to start there at some point because there's, no, there's just not enough applause in the universe to fill you up from whatever it is that you're doing, uh, you know, setting your personal worth. That's a great point. Glenn? Yeah, I think uh, uh, along the lines of what, what Jeff was saying, I, I would really challenge you to ask yourself whether this is a problem with the job or with the setup. Yeah. Because um, here's the thing. I love my job more than I love breathing air. I, I love my job. I, I have more fun doing my job than I have doing anything else on my day off. Sure. So that's, that's just all the way switched on. Part of the enjoyment I have from the job is just an intrinsic uh, joy of doing the stuff that I do. But part of it is I have it set up really, really well. Sure. Uh, I, I, I've been doing this for a long time. I started my own organization, established the bridge service and all that so that it could be exactly the way I wanted it to be. Turns out it's pretty awesome as a setup. Yeah. Uh, when, when I preach at the bridge, I will come after Jed leading worship if you've never had the experience of taking the microphone after Jed has led worship, it's a thing. Uh, you, you will never sound better to a room full of people, more so than you will after Jed has led them in worship. I mean, they are <laughs> ready right. to hear something. That's true. And if I say something smart, they will say, oh, that's smart, it, out loud where you can hear it. <laughs> if, if I don't, they'll give me a puzzled look like, what was mm -hmm. that? And occasionally people have asked me, while I'm in the pulpit, I don't know what you're talking about. Can you give me another example? So I know where I stand, which is a great feeling, at least for me. Uh, I know when I'm getting the job done, and I feel great. So it's a great setup. Now, I do a certain amount of speaking in other churches and other contexts. Um, we won't mention the ministry, but uh, 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 Matt and I recently went to a ministry to talk to some people at that <laughs> ministry and the setup was terrible awful i mean it was just the 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 lighting was well, weird the, I'm, I'm sure you've done this a lot too and my my very limited experience i've preached in prison environments that were more well set up and welcoming than this yeah i mean it was just it was awful and everybody had a weird attitude and kind of didn't know what to expect. The setup was terrible. And I have to say, I was fairly miserable uh, fooling with it. I mean, they just sucked the joy out of the room in the way that thing was set up. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I agree with uh, that, that the job is a bad thing and the setup is a bad thing. I agree with Jed. It's about finding a way uh, to to do your thing in a way that glorifies God, finding a way... Uh, of doing that, as we're as he said, there's a million ways to do that. Yeah. You, even if you your job has nothing to do with Jesus, you can find ways of donating to ministries that you get really super psyched about, and find ways you might be able to work for a company that will match your donation, sure. that kind of thing. You can help encourage that company to do something like that. So there's all sorts of ways for you to be involved. If you're in the arts, to give you an idea that that kind of. Uh, <clears throat> uh, plays off of something that, that, that we're working on here in Chicago, you can go to an inner city church 
that's uh, hurting financially, filled with lots of good people. Encourage them to write a grant uh, for doing an after-school theater uh, thing. Or a dance program. Or dance program, you name it. So you have a, 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 a you let them write the grant, you let them administrate it, you let them promote I'll teach it. it. I'll teach it. I'll teach it for free. I'll come in there, do the drama classes, and at the end, we have a play, and we invite the parents, and everybody's happy, and grant money is flowing to the church, and they're they're benefiting by that. We're getting the kids off the street. You, you will have fun. You will have fun at that. There's no jerky directors involved in that process at all. You will have created your own setup, and it will be the you know custom tailored to what you want. So I think when you find that, you're definitely going to find your joy. And again, maybe that's a little bit of a sideline thing. That's okay. It yeah. doesn't have to be your day job. Yeah. Well, I, just to build on that, and I think it actually builds on what Lee was saying too. Here's one trap. I think everybody can fall into, but particularly people in the arts is, you know, I really want this to be set up in a way that makes me feel legit. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm going to yeah, be yeah. A, a legit actor when all of my income comes from acting right that's right, that's right. how i'll know it. well let me let me it's, let's hit pause and be creative for a second it sounds like part of what you're dealing with is you got a certain number of gigs that are just awful you know just right. everybody involved is terrible and whatnot okay i have a close friend who's a brilliant brilliant um actress and if you watch television in the united states you've seen her on commercials um yeah. she she does a lot of that she intentionally works as a waitress to supplement her acting income so that she doesn't have to take terrible gigs Okay. Um, you know, um, similarly, you know, actually, when I was, um, when I first finished college, I brokered a deal. My background's in technology. I brokered a deal to work about 20 hours a week for a small technology company um, because I wanted to be doing music, but I didn't want to have to rely on that as my sole source of income. Yeah. So this kind of helped to buttress the other part of it, which is similar to what my actor's friend is doing. Um, now, if you go to your actor friends and you say, you know, what do you think? Is that cool? They'll poo-poo it because it's not legit. Right, right, But right. if it works a thousand times better... And you're yeah. happier and you're enjoying it and you get to do the stuff you care about. That's winning on every metric. Mm-hmm. You hear us on this podcast a lot talk about being creative and problem solving, you know, particularly with, with marriage and stuff, you know, being creative, finding a solution that works for your situation. This is another one of those situations where it's about being creative and finding a thing that works, that creates a setup that works for you and being unapologetic about that. It doesn't need to look great to everybody else. It just needs yeah. to work for you. I think it's an absolutely excellent point. I want to piggyback on that just a second as we end here. Another thing that's possibly going on that we, we you see in a lot of jobs, and the thing you, Jed just described, you do actually see in a lot of jobs, people who think, you know, I'll be a legit accountant when I th- have this license, and I'll be a legit nurse when I've reached this level of education and stuff. But one of the things that goes on in every job, and it's kind of pronounced in people who are in work where the word passion gets thrown around a lot, and actually ministry is one of those, some people just aren't, wired in a way where that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Sure. This is actually a conversation, not to bust anybody out, that, that Lee and I had when I first took this job because Lee and I are great friends, but we're just kind of wired differently when it comes to enthusiasm. <laughs> like, this show is about as enthusiastic as I get. Right. And it's still a pretty low-key, let's be honest. But we're, we're, I think it was the first time Lee had brought high school kids up here after I took this job, and we're sitting down. He's kind of asking me about, you know, how's the job going and how's everything working out? Like, that's really good, man. You know, this, that, and the other. We did this thing. And I'm really excited about it, and that was cool. And he gives me a look and goes, and he had, I think he'd just forgotten who he was talking to for a second because he's just a much more enthusiastic person than I am in life and just goes, so does it, like, get you out of bed in the morning? And I just kind of stared at him for a second with my head cocked aside, and he goes, 
you don't actually experience the world that way, do you? I'm like, no. <laughs> don't get me wrong. I love the work. Cause, but, th- again, n- n- neither of us are right or wrong on that. Like, when Lee's ex- super excited about something, it he gets out of, get bed, out of bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going, I can't wait to work on that thing. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to do that. And I'm just not wired that way. I get out of bed and think, oh, God, I guess we're doing this again. <laughs> and then eventually I do the thing. That's fine. But... And it, again, both of those are fine. That's just a way we're wired. But I would I would drive myself crazy if I was driven by other people's, and I'm not talking about Lee here, cause but other people who expect me to be passionate because my job's cooler than theirs. Yeah. Like some of our right. other ministry friends who aren't who don't have a church as cool as Lee's, kind right. of that look like, it's probably pretty awesome working for Glenn, huh? Well, I'm going to go back to church now. <laughs> go back to the Presbyterians and be reformed. You have fun with the criminals. Seems pretty sweet. But you say in here, you know, I like it, but I don't love it, which is maybe that's not what you're looking for. And that's fine. We certainly encourage you to figure that out. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're not in the right thing. Like, yeah. like we're saying, if you were an engineer and you said, I like my job and it funds, you know, I have cool hobbies and it's, I meet, work with nice people and, you know, my, my boss is a little bit jerky sometimes. Overall, I enjoy it. It's not, but it's not my favorite thing in the world. That would seem normal. Mm-hmm. I wonder if some of this is not pressure you're putting on yourself to be passionate yeah. and artistic and all that stuff. Again, and maybe this is just for a time. Maybe this will all hit a threshold where you say, I got to figure something else out. But just because you're not, Liking it but not loving it is actually not necessarily a red flag for a job. Yeah. All jobs are jobs. That's the thing they have in common. Inherently, there's part of them that kind of sucks. That's why you have to get paid to do them. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> Otherwise, right. you would just volunteer. Right. And you can tie that in with what all these other guys are talking about in that maybe it's the after school program, maybe it's donation, maybe it's just you look at it in a different way and you find a project you're fired up about. Find something to be excited about, and maybe that will give you a new lease on the job. Yeah. Maybe that will be making the job a smaller part of your identity, like Lee was talking about. But it's definitely something yeah, to keep th- an eye on. Those dream setups are made, not found. Yeah, Dang absolutely. Straight, dude. Dang straight. But if you have further questions on that, feel free to write back in if you've got more details. And you can write in a question, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Say that podcast at gmail.com. If you're writing into the Tumblr, please mention the podcast so I know to answer it here instead of the blog. Remember, be looking at that Tumblr and also Twitter, The Bridge of CHI, and all our Twitters and Facebooks because this week will be the premiere of the sample trial Bridgebox program. Click the link, sign up. We will email you a 48-hour link. We want to spend another big thanks to our friend Adam for setting that up. You can always go ahead straight and sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox missionusa.com slash bbly we're gonna take out with an outro song this is from a little worship collective down there in east tennessee this is one of lee's worship songs called i want to thank you lead vocals by our man jeff mason kills it yeah. on this song and take out that Remember, we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it to say that podcast recapping an ongoing development he has risen <laughs> <laughs>